0: You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, Church. Good evening, family. How's everybody doing tonight? Good to see you all in my mind, and good to be seen, and good to be together. Uh, we continue tonight with uh, class number five in our series, and just so you know, the way it's going to go, we got uh, we got one more class on uh, focused on women's leadership and women's role. And then the next class is going to be on deacons and elders, and then um, Doug Weber, our own Doug Weber, Doctor Doug Weber is going to do a special class after that, and then we'll go back to we'll start a new series, which we'll announce pretty soon. But uh, good to have everybody together. This is class five. We've been going through a lot of uh, intense scriptures, and you know, as 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 we've been talking about along that this is a. These are kind of intense topics, you know, this and very hot topics nowadays, you know, and I would say in one, it kind of connects to the overall topic of justice and equity, but it also connects, uh, you know, more specifically in our church to the roles that different women play and, you know, what is biblical, what is social, what is tradition, what is history, Um, and what is, what is it that God wants in all this? And some of it is, is tough stuff, you know, and that's why we, we've taken so much time. I mean, this is an extraordinary amount of time, but this is the kind of thing that we want to get right. You know, we want to make sure we do this right and we know what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I appreciate so much the effort that I see in the church to study out scripture, to really separate what is tradition, what is, what is, frankly speaking, what is male chauvinism, What is actually what God wants and what is it that, you know, the Holy Spirit is pushing us towards? So, and, and even, you know, standing up to not just going way the world wants us to go, nor getting stuck in traditions because that's the way things were done in the past. You know, uh, the church has been continually evolving. I mean, since I became a Christian, as I shared before, I remember when I became a Christian, the church did not clap. Nobody in church danced, um, you know, and women did nothing in services, nothing, you know, other than singing in the crowd. And, um, I remember as the church was growing and developing and when women were, were included in the part singing, uh, that was a big deal, you know? And when I remember the day the elders announced that we're going to clap, you know, that it's okay to clap. And, uh, I was in Miami when the, when the, when, uh, different leaders announced that they would allow dancing, that, the church members could dance, and Miami. Let me tell you, Miami is a city of Caribbean people and Latin American people. So, wow, was that a was that a loud cry of of joy? You know that everybody could start dancing, and 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 you might laugh and think, well, these, these are silly. Why why would this happen? They would. The, most traditions, even restrictive traditions, even bad interpretations, most of them, I believe, came out of a good heart to follow the scriptures. But what is often happens in society, what often happens to people is they get stuck in their caution or in their traditions. That's where the whole culture of Pharisees came from, is that they were an initial movement to protect the law, to protect the people, uh, to be faithful to God. But then they their their suggestions, their rules became laws. And then they got stuck in it, you know, and and they ended up missing the heart of the gospel and missing everything. And that's what we're trying to do, make sure that we're, we're not getting stuck in traditions. And so as it should be, the church is restoring continually, continually restoring biblical principles and biblical ideas, because as time goes by, we just by nature add on rules and get stuck in traditions. So we're peeling those back and making sure that we're the only restrictions we have are the ones that God imposes or that God puts and that any restrictions that we've put on or added to it over the years of how we do church or how we think of things that we either take them off or be willing to to shed them away. You know, and again, as I said the other day. For millennials and generation Z, some of this stuff seems so silly and you may say, You mean the church didn't clap before? I mean no, it didn't. I I we I Michelle and I remember being in fellowship and getting rebuked by the elders because the campus ministry was swaying. We were swaying in a Devo. We were doing this and we got rebuked, you know, and that was because that was what not what the church did at that time. But there's also, you know, it's a pow- it was a very happy church, a very excited church. We we were doing great. Uh, I would say some of those things we did were traditions and we didn't know the difference between tradition and what the Bible says in our ignorance. And now we know better. So we, now we, you know, we change, we grow and that's a good thing. And sometimes I think people are afraid of prog- being progressive or moving forward because it means, oh, I was wrong. All those years I did something wrong or I thought something wrong. no, no, no. no. That's part of growing. Growing is learning more and continually correcting yourself. You remember the the illustration I've given of calibrating, having to recalibrate all the time. Remember my telescope moving to stay focused on Jesus means you're going to continually change and you're going to undo some things you did before and do differently some things you're going to do in the future. So that's a good sign. That's what's supposed to be happening. Is that's that's part of growing and learning. And so we continue with uh, restoring the church. Um, uh, I do want to give myself a little commercial here, a reminder that we're going to, uh, next month have a, a sermon series in the month of March, and it's going to be totally geared towards our friends and neighbors. Okay. It, it, there'll be four sermons very much focused on, uh, friends and neighbors, not focused on the church, not focused on building up the church but focused on helping people become Christians or even just drawing people to God and to the Bible. So uh those will be, and it's finding spirituality, finding God in a pandemic, finding peace in a chaotic time and finding a no fear life, you know, being free of fear and worry and anxiety. Those those are the four. I got to asked around a lot of people of their input. And these are, this is some of the input I got. Um And again, it's not too late. If you feel like there's some topics or subtopics, that, that you wish I would address, please send me an email, let me know. And, um, we'll include that because we want, we want to just be able to invite everybody that we love, you know, our friends, our families, cousins, aunts, uncles, moms, dads, nephews, nieces, everybody. So that's what that's about. So back to our series, um, rest where the, the, it's a restoration focus of restoring our lives or spirituality. That's the overall this year. But also uh, the church and the role of, specifically the roles of deacons, ministers, and women's leadership, and of course um, we we started with the toughest one. We started with the one that's that's most challenging, and we'll have spent a total of six weeks on that one, and then one on the deacons and ministers, uh, and elders. I would include in that actually. So uh, what have we done? A quick review, uh, chapter one of Genesis. We talked about how God made male and female in His image, the imago Dei. The that that we are in his image and in his likeness and all the wonderful things that that means the value of each person the 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 how special we each are and how we respond to love and all all there's so much there right chapter 2 about that being the perfect counterpart when he made woman he took the side of man and made a counterpart the ezra keneggo right the the other half that that is a strength that is a source of strength a and and it's not a subservient role in per se. It's a counterpart. Now there are parts of that that we we'll, we talked about, and we'll talk about more. Chapter three. Uh, everyone was punished for the fall. In the fall, you know, in the and I don't mean the season. I mean the fall of into sin. Um, and everybody got a punishment. The snake did. The woman did. The Adam did. Everybody did. Um, and and that fall that that. That um, curse, that punishment, affects us to this day. We talked about that. So uh, last week we went over First Corinthians eleven 1 through sixteen, talked about um, you know how important it is when we when we go through these scriptures that we one have spiritual maturity that we're not looking at things through worldly eyes. I can tell you right now, somebody who's worldly will not get these scriptures. will not understand. It will just seem wrong, and they'll 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 choke on this. But it it really takes spiritual discernment, a level of spirituality, the things that only come from the Spirit, like love and humility and and, uh, grace and mercy and compassion and wisdom, things that the Spirit gives us are required to really understand these scriptures. Otherwise, people won't get them. Um, There's a level of humility required here of just understanding that God is God and I am not God. And as a reminder, I mean, there are many things that God does that I, I honestly don't understand why, but because I know that God is good. I trust him and I know that he is God and I am not God. Therefore, I trust him. I trust him more than I trust myself. And that's probably a key for a lot of people. You know, they'll read something or something that God says, says I don't agree with that. No, I don't believe that. Well, what you're saying basically is that your opinion is more important than God or that you trust yourself more than God. I trust God more than myself. If something doesn't seem right to me, then I know either God will make it clear in time or, or, or when I die, I'll get to understand. But, but I trust him enough that it doesn't matter whether I understand it. I'm on a need to know basis and God doesn't tell me everything I want to know. And then lastly, faith, you know, just really it's, 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 you know, another root word, another translation of the word faith is trust, that I trust God. He is good. He is good. So whatever he does is going to be good, and there'll be a reason for it. Ultimately, in the end, there'll be something that either I know now or don't understand now or don't understand. doesn't matter because I know he's good, and I put my faith in him, and I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, we have all the his teachings through the Gospel, and then the Holy Spirit guides us through the rest of the new testament and 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 I trust them, so I say all that because sometimes things just seemed like huh why why that you know and and yet it's still important to trust God and maybe more than ever to have faith in God, so we went through uh first Corinthians eleven one through sixteen, and we got up to first Corinthians fourteen We hit the main part, but we didn't finish it because frankly, I just ran out of time um so uh I want to keep these to to about 30 uh, minutes so you know I'm asking Turnwell to give me a wave 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 a hand at me when when I hit to 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 30 minutes. So anyways, 1 Corinthians uh 11, 1 through 16 we read it um uh The key scripture, the scripture that's probably the niti griti here is the one where he says, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And we talked about, you know, the word kefale, which is, it's, uh, it's the head, translated as the head. Sometimes, you know, there's been a, there's a small minority of translators that would translate the source, but the more likely translation by far is the head and and because it's used in different ways it's not just man and, and and woman it's you know it's there there's definitely order to the way things Paul sets things up and explains it to us that we have the father the son and the holy spirit the father is the head and then the son then the holy spirit that doesn't mean that Jesus is inferior it just it has a different order here same thing he says with Christ with man and with woman um it does not imply value. And as I've said many times now, that's what hangs us up because we think whoever's in charge is worth more than whoever's serving. And that is not how God sees things. And sometimes God asks us to serve and be in submission. And sometimes he asks us to take the head, the charge, the, the, the front, the point person. And that doesn't make us any more important or any less important. I am no, as as an evangelist leading a church I am no more important than anybody else in the whole church. The entire church, every single individually individual, is equally important to God, and that's that's very tough for us to grasp. But it's absolutely the truth. Uh, we we are equal with different roles. God and Jesus is a perfect example. Different roles, equal value. Um, First Corinthians eleven one through sixteen. We you know we talked about the head coverings, right? Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Now this one has a lot to do with the current and the the, the culture and the norms of that time in that city. This is one of those where it was clearly Paul was talking about a temporal teaching or an occasional teaching, something that depends on the context of the situation in the first century head coverings were a sign of propriety and submission Uh, it's universally agreed among scholars that this was a situational teaching not a universal teaching Uh, women prayed and prophesied in church services it proves that that women who had the gift of prophecy that they received messages from god that he wanted to tell the people they did that in the church services. They prayed. They, they, they sang. They did things in the church services. Um, and, and later, uh, when he wraps up this section of teaching, he says something very important. He says in verse 16 of First uh, Corinthians 11, If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. There's also another principle. There's several overarching principles that Paul that guide Paul's teaching. That's clearly from the Holy Spirit. You know, the principle of whatever is best for the gospel. That's that would override even some of the other things that were said. Like, for example, you know, Gentiles did not have to become Jews. That was made clear in the Book of Acts. In Acts 15, they had a whole meeting <clears throat> with the church and the apostles and the elders all met because there were brothers that thought every gentile needs to become a jew first that means they need to get circumcised and and paul went around preaching the good news that at that meeting they they concluded that gentiles don't need to become jews um and yet even though paul was the one who pushed that and taught that everywhere and the apostles all said it he still made timothy get circumcised when he went to to, to Ju- jerusalem why because he knew that it would be problematic for him. It would be problematic for them to be able to preach the gospel if Timothy was not circumcised. So there's a really great example right there of somebody submitting to something for the good of the kingdom, the good of the gospel. That's that overarching principle. Another one is unity. Unity is an overarching principle where he said, look, this is what the churches teach this is how we handle it in the church, in all places, so that's what we're going to do. Okay, this is, and that kind of taps into that, uh, you know, every group tends to just be all about my group, my group, my group. I don't care what the other groups do. I don't care what my group does. And, but we have to remember that's not God's perspective. I mean, the whole church is his family. The whole church are his kids. So when we do something, we should all do it. We should be, it unless there's a reason to do different, and there are sometimes, but but overall, there's an overarching principle of unity. And that's what Paul basically is saying. If you if you got a problem with this, I'm sorry, but we don't have any other way of doing it. This is how we do it. This is, this is what the churches believe and do and practice. So sometimes what's best for me may not be what's best for the group. But my overarching principle is what is best for the group. What is best for the body. Therefore, I'm willing to let my rights go or my privileges go. Uh, as Paul said uh to the Corinthians said everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. So even just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. The principle of what's overriding, what's what what is best for the church. Um we looked at the another very tough scripture, another scripture that's very controversial Verse 34, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. You know, and again, it's that order, but it was very important. And we discussed this to, to know the background of that is that the, uh, there were women who were um, speaking up way too much that there was there was too much pushback in the service. There was and it was just it wasn't proper. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't socially or culturally acceptable. And, and Paul was basically challenging them to get your service back in order to get it the way it should be. And that women ought to just wait till they go home and then they can talk to their husbands about it and they can have a discussion. But apparently there were women who were kind of derailing the service because they had so many opinions and were speaking out in public. Um, the, the key word there is SIGAO, which is SIGAO which is to be silent. We talked about this, that it's, it's, you know, there's this perfect word in Spanish, quieto, to be still, you know, to calm down, be still, like hold yourself in check. It's basically what it's saying. So it wasn't just speaking or, or don't say anything at church or that's not what he's saying. And clearly that's not because later on he, well, he mentions right there that, that um, when they prophesy or when they, pray or when they, you know, I mean, these are, when they're doing other roles in the church, ob- obviously, if the role was absolutely no speaking, then there wouldn't be other roles. Um, so oh, uh, uh, I read this. This is a quote from the teacher's uh, study. The declaration that women are to be signed in the church must be reconciled with the instruction for women to sing, pray and prophesy in the corporate worship. The culture of the first century informs the understanding of this passage, okay, that, that things need to be in order, they need to be, uh, you know, flow smoothly in the service, um, and he mentions praying, uh, prophesying, uh, and and singing, so obviously it doesn't mean that they can't say anything, women can't say anything at church, what it means is that we've got to be ghetto, we've got to be still, we can't be interrupting it's it's not really so much what, the, what was being said as much as how it was being said um that a church should be orderly you know we we have a little bit of this problem even on sundays now with with um uh with our our services online that sometimes people will start conversations in the middle of communion hey where have you been how have you been da da. da. it's very disruptive it's very interruptive you know it it's we're supposed to be focusing on the cross and listening carefully to instructions that will focus our hearts. And somebody's saying, you know, hey, I haven't seen you in five years. And what's up? How are your kids? So, you know, and what they don't realize is everybody in the church, you know, is watching this. And, and, and you can't help, I mean, I'm sure like, like me, you can't help but to look, you know, and something pops up. And we have to remember we don't want to disrupt and we don't want to interrupt. Especially, I would say the two big things, especially communion and the sermon. If you want to say amen or great point or wow, this is helping me or, or, you know, I love that scripture, that's great. That's fine. It points back to what's being said. But it shouldn't be like, hey, I heard you moved to, you know, to Cincinnati. How's it over there? You know, it shouldn't be things that take away from the preaching or the communion, especially the communion. The communion is sacred. We should be, you know, when the welcome is happening. Sure, everybody can be. Hey, what's up? Hello, hello. Hi. You know, we do pretty good. Right? We do pretty good, but and we encourage each other, and that's wonderful. But communion sermon, it should be amens and things that focus on what's being said, not things that distract from what's being said. And that was kind of the spirit of this teaching. That was kind of the spirit of it. Of it was was let's let's keep the service in order. Um, he he brackets this whole paragraph. With a point, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all congregations of the Lord's people. You know, again, he's appealing to, this is what we all do, guys. This is this is the, our way, the church's way, the way of Jesus. He says, look, it's not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. The service should be a time of peace, not a disruptive, disorganized, chaotic. Um, he ends it saying, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way a fitting and orderly way. So is this helpful to the service? Is this helpful for us to learn and grow? Um, You know, I I mean, in terms of what we say on the thing, you can kind of think, well, what would I say out loud at church on Sunday morning? That's pretty much going to guide you in what's appropriate. I wouldn't yell across the room, hey, I like that shirt you're wearing, you know? I mean, when, when somebody's up there doing communion, right? That just would be inappropriate. But but I would say, hey, Amen. Wow, that's great. Oh, you know, awesome, or orale or whatever. You know, that points back to what's being said and gets us all to focus ourselves in a fitting and orderly way, basically. So we keep moving forward. Um so uh well, I already pretty much said this, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, and but everything should be done fitting and orderly way. God wants order and peace, propriety and organization, reverence reverences and respect. And that's, that's probably Respect is probably a good word because it's a 21st century word. It's a word that we get like reverence. Unless you grew up, you know, going to church every Sunday and we're really involved in a church Sundays, we don't really know the word reference very well. It doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Should, you know, in the sense that it's important um, that we revere God, that we show respect Reverence is showing respect. Respect is a word we all know, right? Because we all want to be respected. And we all want to be treated with respect. You know, I mean, we just had our family here, which was a fantastic time. My my, my in-laws, uh, Michelle's mom and dad, uh, stepdad. And, um, you know, we have a big chair that uh, I always sit in, in, our in our living room, right? That's my big chair. That's dad's chair. Nobody sits in that chair except me. But when my father-in-law is here, I always invite him to sit in that chair. It's not because I have to. It's not because it's a rule. It's because I respect him. And he does. He takes his chair and we're all happy. And I sit on the couch with the rest of the crew. And and it's just respect. That's it. It's and It's a healthy, good thing. It's not something that is taught. Not something that is really generally practiced much in our world today. But it is an important thing. When you disrespect somebody they feel it, right? When you get disrespected, you feel it. And so it's just showing respect to God. This The church service is his service. It's his meeting. It's not our meeting. Doesn't belong to me as an evangelist, doesn't belong to me as a member, doesn't belong to anybody but God. So we want it to be great. The only spectators at a church service is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The rest of us were there because God called us to meet together, to meet with Him together, and so we have to keep that in, mem- in mind. And that's a lot of what is behind all these teachings on rules and organization and order and who's, you know, who's what. So, as a summary of all those, the Corinthians um, uh, instructions, we we read again, you know, being still. Uh, that that was the the, sigau, the the being still being silent but not 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 meaning you make no noise but meaning that you're calm and you and you're in submission is another way to say it and he says in here about the women being in submission now we're going to read in other scriptures he talks about men being in submission too men and women so but here specifically the problem was being addressed in Corinth with some women and there's a whole you know bunch of culture behind that um but it also says that women prophesied, women prayed, women sang, so they were very much apart. so you noticed um you know last last weekend, grace did communion that's a change that's a change before that Ruth did communion. those are changes, those are good changes we didn't have that happen before. we always had a couple because that way it was clearly under a male's authority, but as we're restoring scriptures here we're we're realizing that you know what it there isn't anything there's't a violation if their sister um shares and even preaches what she shared but she's not exercising authority over her brother, the church she's she's just she's sharing what she, what she's learning um and the authority is god is, she's under god's and uh, submission to god um so so that submission call is is ultimately for men and women but in different ways right so Um, But we see it said women prophesied, women prayed, women sang, and there's a propriety that everyone's under, you know, whether there's the hair or the head coverings or how we act or, you know, earlier in in the letter, he talks about, you know, them taking turns uh, prophesying. He talks about them taking turns when they, those who had the gift of tongues, and we know Paul had given numerous Corinthians the gift of tongues um, which had to be given. And how do we know we had to be given? Well, at the beginning of Romans, he says, I want to go and visit you so I can give you guys some spiritual gifts. That's how they got the gifts. They got the gifts by the laying of hands by the apostles. So these were gifts that were, that were transmitted through the apostles. Um, and, but even those, he tells them it has to be done in orderly fashion. And if there's nobody there to interpret the gift, then they should be silent. And that's another time he uses the word silent. Um, they should not. They should. They should not just speak out. And that didn't mean they had to be quiet and never say anything. It just meant that at that point they needed to, you know, sit down and and just, you know not say anything. So, so propriety is is for everybody. So then, the, what? Those are all universal teachings. It applies to everybody, all time. Basically, temporal teaching is the head coverings. You know, that was a cultural thing in the first century you know i talked about that already that that uh, that women wore, the married women wore a head covering to show they were in submission to their husbands single women actually didn't actually have to carry wear the head coverings so um um because they weren't in submission in marriage so there it is now, so, so that was a very cultural thing tied to that culture that city uh, and as well as other greek and roman cities so galatians 326 I don't think we got this far, um, so we finished now, First uh, Corinthians 14, and now we're in Galatians, and we'll have time uh, just to look at these quickly, and then we got to wrap up here. So, um, in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. As many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ. Okay, so the next few scriptures we're going to look at are actually, um, they're rather shocking. They're rather shocking in that, and it's funny because we're not going to notice that so much being in the 21st century, but they were radically egalitarian radically proposing and pushing equality you have to remember in the first century women and children were considered property of men they were property of men so what he's saying that there's not and and then, and the world was divided between jews and greeks at least the the, the church world was divided you were jew or you were a greek you know or jew or gentile i should say really even But um, in Galatia, which is right above Israel, um, you know, it was basically their view as Jews was Jew and Greek. He says, no, in Christ, once you're baptized, you're not a Jew or a Greek. You're not a slave or free because the world was divided between slaves and free people. And you're not even male or female. This process that's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's very hip, very in, you know, very, very hipster for the 21st century. We're all you know, equally love each other and equally respect. And that's true. It's all true. But you got to understand that in the first century, this was radical. This was so radical to say that we're all the same, even slave and free, even male and female, even different ethnicities that had traditionally for hundreds of years looked down on each other, you know, it had nothing together. So you got racism, prejudice, gender bias, all these wrapped into one and Paul's basically saying none of it exists once you've been baptized, which is how we should be in the church. It shouldn't matter. This, you know, I, I come from a Latin culture that's ma- very male chauvinistic. Men are the boss. Men command. And and but when I got baptized, that gets left behind. I mean, it's not my nature, anyways. But but any temptation. I repent of as temptation of sin, not as well. I'm just, you know, I'm that's my culture. No, no, that's sin. There's there's male and female. We're all one, and there's no room for male chauvinists or macho or pigs or whatever you want to call it. You know, there's no there's for men bullying women or any of that garbage. Not in God's kingdom, and that's really important to understand again in order to understand these other scriptures and the order and the details better. So I got to wrap up here. We're running We're running out of time. Um, so I, I just will say this, you know, uh, even the, the instructions on household, which don't really have as much to do with the church as much as just spirituality, being a Christian. We're going to look at um, a couple of scriptures coming up and then we're going to be wrapping it up with the next class. So I'm out of time, but we got we got some good coverage because th- those were the tougher scriptures. And there's one more big tough one as well as some lighter ones. And uh we'll finish those next week. So that's it. We're gonna we're gonna go through Colossians three, eighteen, nineteen, Ephesians five, twenty one through twenty three. Um and then I wanna end with a oh not those are in Spanish. Never mind. Oh, no. Sorry, I had the title in Spanish for you there. Preguntas para la discusión. Questions for discussion tonight. Why is submission so important? Why is res- why is respect so important? And why is love so important to me? Okay. So the first one's why is submission important? Why is respect important? And the last one is why is love so important to me? And go ahead and share on a personal level on that one especially. So, love you guys. God bless. Buen Camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.